podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Stratycast. It's the first episode of the season and I suppose it's not the greatest time and we had this planned about a week or two um, and the reason we hadn't started the podcast earlier was I was quite ill uh, and hospitalised, nothing to do with, with corona but um, I'm getting back on my feet now and I'm delighted to be recording with Mike. Mike, how are you getting on? Everything good? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, we're just sort of catching up to where um, you are in Ireland right now, I and mean, that we're about to go into a lockdown this week for a month. So that's not great, but um, you know, uh, it's happy to see you back and, and healthy. I mean, that's the main thing. Yeah, it is, and I'm feeling much better. Um, might not feel much better when it comes to, to Man United right now, but <laughs> we will get into that. Uh, I just want to make it very, very clear, by the way. This was this was pre-planned to come today. We didn't just um, sit in our phones last night after the Arsenal game in temper and say, let's record a podcast tomorrow and let's be super negative about Manchester United. It was even more than a week in advance that we planned this. I feel yeah. like I think we talked to, we tried to set a date about 10 days ago, so it's been going for a while now. Absolutely. I, I am happy to back speaking to you, Mike, my, my podcast partner in crime. So look, suppose before... We get into basically a reflection of what we've seen this season um, to talk a bit about the game against Arsenal yesterday. Mike, before the match, sum up your, your feelings because in the Champions League, we've started so well. Wins over PSG and RB Leipzig and the game against Leipzig, hammering them 5-0, was only a few days before the Arsenal game. And I think a lot of us might have been guilty of maybe being a little bit giddy after that, even though the start of the season hasn't been perfect. But... There was maybe signs that maybe playing a diamond in the midfield was working. Solskjaer had been trying a back three against PSG. So you could see he was he's playing around with things and trying to fi- finally tune what he has available to him. But that game against Arsenal yesterday destroys that. How did you feel before the game? Were you, were you buzzing? Were you excited about what you were going to see? Yeah, I was pretty optimistic. Um, I, I, I still think going forward... Uh, I don't think that the playing a diamond is the worst idea in the world with the players that are available. The problem was, well, we'll get into this more, but I mean, yeah, I thought we were going to win yesterday. Um, I think Arsenal, in some respects, kind of are where we are, um, although that's more of a problem for us than it is for them. We can get into more about this later because Arsenal are nowhere near uh, sort of far in with Arteta as the manager as we are right now and, and trying to sort of rebuild the rebuild everything at that club but yeah I felt good I thought um, the, the two Champions League games we got our game plans absolutely spot on the players were great um, and then here it was just so lacklustre um, we did, didn't deserve anything out of that game we almost stole a draw um, but we, we would never have deserved even that um, it was it was really poor. I mean, the, the first half may have been one of the worst first halves of football I've ever seen, up there with the first half of that Chelsea game a couple of weeks previous, which was also absolutely dire. Um, so it's, you know, every time you think the club's turning a corner, we just end up circling back around to where we were. So it's like we just keep turning a corner around the same circle all the time. I think one of the biggest issues for me from the game against Arsenal was... My mentality going into these games against Arsenal for years has always been the same. And it probably stems from the days Ferguson was manager. And 
we had this certain approach against Stars and where we felt that we were the men and they were the boys. Um, they're a weaker side mentally and, and have been for so long. They bottle things. And I think we kind of joke about that when it comes to Arsenal. But yesterday, we were a team with tails between our legs. We were a team that weren't winning tackles. And that, in itself, says a lot about this current setup, this current team. You look at that defence, and I've just seen Neil Costas and Troy Deeney have a big row on, on, on TalkSport about it and about stats and stuff. We knew in the summer that defence wasn't good enough. The stats last season may suggest they had one of the best defences in the league. Yeah, but the XG didn't. Yeah, it, it, but if you seriously look at the personnel, you're winning no major trophies with that defence. And Gary Neville had been saying it before the season began, they need a centre-back. I, I, was saying this like I said this last season. I was saying this to you last season when we were doing this podcast after the lockdown, that we yeah. needed defenders. We were talking about Jaden Sancho and we needed defenders. And... You see, you seen Gabriel yesterday play really well for Arsenal. I know we were kind of there was speculation about him. I don't think it was it was true, but I just look at Maguire, who's, who's had a very difficult summer. I don't think his his head's in the right place right now. I don't think having him in the spotlight every week is a good thing. But we have a number of defenders. We have what six or seven defenders, and we're not confident in any of them. We have Tonzebi, who there's a bit of promise about, but we don't know what his story is long-term with injuries. He played against PSG and kept Mbappe and Neymar quiet, despite not playing a game since December. That's unnatural. That's that's a boy with a lot of potential that needs, that needs looking after and nurturing, but he also needs games, and he can't afford to have another lengthy spell on, on the sidelines due to injury. But I look at Lindelof and I look at Maguire, I don't see any of them I want to build a defence around. I really don't anymore. Um, I'm not saying yesterday against Arsenal was either their fault, but it's going on week week in, week out. And we've spoken in the past about David De Gea and his form. And I've always questioned if the defence isn't confident in, in their goalkeeper, you're asking for problems. But now I'm looking at the goalkeeper and I'm asking, is he confident in his defence? And I don't think he is. No, clearly he's not. I don't actually think that he has been that bad since the season started. No, he hasn't been yet. In he fact, he's been, he's been very good. I think maybe the Dean Henderson thing has probably given him a kick up the ass that he, he duly needed. Um, no, you're right, the defence isn't good enough and I've been saying for ages we needed defenders and we also needed at least one midfielder that would help with the defending and we <laughs> didn't go and get one of those either. The priorities had to be we needed to get another right back because, you know, Arouan Basaka, I do like him, although I do wonder whether long term I see him as more of a centre half than a right back. The, the thing that struck me watching, when you play a midfield diamond like we played yesterday, and it's a good system, you know, with the players that we've got in the midfield, but your full backs need to be providing width. Your full backs yeah. need to cover the entire flank. Luke Shaw and Arouan Basaka do not do that. I've long since lost patience with Luke Shaw, as I told you the other day. I think the Spurs game was really the final straw for me in terms of, no, let's just wash our hands with him and just move on, really. I think it was... Uh, no, I don't know. Teller's not got coronavirus, whether he would have actually been playing. I suspect he may have done. He already looks a huge upgrade on Shaw in terms of what he takes going forward. And I think United do, do did miss that. Um 
But Aaron Wambasaka, you know, this was a guy we scouted extensively. So we went through, you know, 50 or different right backs, right wing backs. And he was sort of one of the ones that we thought, yep, yeah, this is the guy. Did none of the scouting or the data analysts not spot the fact that he doesn't provide anything going forward? Was that not something that entered into their, entered I, into what they were I, thinking when they signed him? I know you're talking about the, the diamond and I totally agree. And yesterday was a clear sign that we played that and we had no width. It was an issue with the fullbacks. But I do think with Tellez there on the left, potentially on the left most weeks, he will get forward. Um, and I don't really have a problem with Wan-Bissaka not being the best going forward because I'm under the illusion that he's the best defensively as a fullback. Um, I, I, I just see him as a centre-half, though, long-term, because I think he'd be a really good centre-half. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I, Listen, I would still take... You know, listen, Wambasaka over what we've had at right back for the last few years, of course. Um, but yeah, the centre, the centre back, we've known that's been a problem for a long, long time. And even just buying Harry Maguire was never going to solve this problem. Um, where was Swansea yesterday, by the way? Was he injured? Oh, no idea. No idea. But when it comes, to I, I mean, I know he's been out for a year though, so I don't know whether that that's the issue at the moment. Whether they're sort of trying to build him up, but you know, he played. Against PSG, he was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. You know, he didn't seem to lack. He didn't seem to have lost any of his pace in the time he was out injured. I mean, he matched Mbappe in foot races more than one occasion, um, provided an aggression and a physicality and a proactiveness in defending that we just haven't had. You know, defenders reading the game early and snuffing out danger, which just weren't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Maguire is, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know where you start with him. Well, um, look, 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 the other side of it too, Mike, is when we're speaking of the Arsenal game, and we lost the game yesterday, and I don't think it, it was Maguire's fault that we lost the game. So I want to get, get, get into it, right? Paul Pogba's selection. Yes. Uh, yes yesterday. That's what I really want to get into here. And I, I, again, if pe- people are listening to this podcast for the first time, I do advise you to go back to previous episodes, even though they might be outdated. We don't tend to point fingers at people after after um, after defeat. I don't like doing that. I think that's a sign of a witch hunt. Um, some people might say it's an agenda. This is no agenda. What we're going to get into here. This is four years of under underperforming. I'm going to say. Yeah, so, this is this is not like the Maguire thing where he's actually been a very good defender. For the yeah. last two years. And he's having a bad run of form right now. He's having a tough time personally. He needs help. Maguire needs help. And he needs somebody in there with him. And he hasn't got that. Pogba is... Yeah, well, I'll let you start on this one. But I've got a lot to say on this as well. Because when we were talking about this over Messenger yesterday, I, I, that was the final straw for me with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I and I did tweet after the match last night that I, tr- I try to avoid social media after games. Because I, I don't like the knee jerkery. I don't like. I, I can't comprehend people overreacting over when it comes to football, um, and I don't think this is an overreaction. But yesterday was the final straw for me with Paul Pogba. It's been four years now of we signed we signed a, a potentially world class midfielder. On his day, he's world class, no denying that. But on his day, those days are very very seldom when he's wearing a mm. Manchester United shirt, and they're way too seldom. I look at Paul Pogba and I look at a manager who's trying to shoehorn him into the team. This United team has never suited Paul Pogba. The, Paul Pogba was brilliant at Juventus, 
Um, he was cushioned by world-class midfielders. You know a lot more about Italian football than me, Mike. I'm sure you'll get into the players that he had around him. But this United team has never been built around Pogba. They they, 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 made, they signed, apparently, Nemanja Matic a few seasons ago to suit him in midfield. But let's not... Let's not ignore the fact that that was a cup price deal. That was a bargain deal. They weren't exactly going out to buy the best defensive midfielder at that time like he had when he won the World Cup, Kante. Mm. You have to, it, 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 it's, it's no surprise that Pogba is not working at Manchester United. But what bothers me is a few days after the 6-1 hammering we suffered against Spurs, he answered a question while on international duty about Real Madrid and he said he dreams of playing Real Madrid and some people tried to excuse that and said that look he always gets asked that when he's away with France okay well don't fucking answer the question then you're a Manchester United player and every time you come out and speak about Real Madrid and Juventus and going back here and going there it's disrespectful to the club you're playing for you're not playing for Swansea yeah, for Crystal Palace. Oh, you shouldn't even be saying. You shouldn't. You shouldn't even be saying about. You shouldn't even be saying this stuff when you're playing for those clubs, Dale. No, it's disrespectful. The, the, They're paying your wages. It's not only that. And um, Mark Ogden, uh, ESPN, uh, said much the same thing, and he said something that um, I've really come round to believing in the last several months. Which Paul Popper is maybe one of, if not the most overrated player in world football. He's not. This, this guy's 27 years old now. He's not, not some young anymore. kid. Yeah. No, no, no. And and I'm wondering, it really struck me since coming back from the lockdown, the lack of noise around Paul Pogba and interest from other clubs. <laughs> There's not really been much from Real Madrid, really. And I know Real Madrid weren't really into spend weren't didn't want weren't going to be spending anything this summer. They wanted to try and get people out. But I wonder whether other clubs that would have been interested. I mean, look, you've a did a deal with Barcelona where basically they swapped Pjanic for Arta. Um, and Juve were one of the, the main... That gone. And other clubs are looking onto the fact that, hey, you know what, maybe this guy just isn't as good as we thought he was, or he thinks he is, or his agent markets that he is. I'm really not so sure anymore. And, you know, when Roy Keane has said on more than one occasion, and he said it after the game yesterday, those players will cost Oli his job. I have no question in my mind that chief among Roy Keane's thoughts is Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba is going to cost Oli Solskjaer his job. Just is like that he fair, Mike? Is. Yes, it is, because Oli keeps picking him. He seems to be in thrall of him. And I don't understand why Pogba has delivered nothing that suggests that he should be getting in that team. United looked most balanced at best under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when Pogba not only was not it, uh, available to play, but when he wasn't even around at the club, Dale, that was when United started to look like a proper team. And he has just completely thrown that out of balance. And he does more harm than good, both on the pitch, and I think he might be doing it in the dressing room, and he's clearly doing it in the dressing room as well. He cannot keep humouring this guy. They cannot keep... Can I ask you a question, Mike? Yeah, go for it. It's a question that we, I'm going to go back from a previous podcast on. You're you're not the biggest fan of Jose Mourinho. Would I be right in saying that? Yes. Was Jose right on Pogba? Yes, he was. But the way he went about things was completely wrong. And I think it poisoned, it poisoned everything at the club. And I did say at the time with those two 
because I felt Mourinho was Mourinho was just a bad fit for Manchester United. He's a vet, he's a world class manager, but he just wasn't a fit for United at all. But I did say, and you remember me saying it, and I think I'd even written it in pieces for the website that the best outcome for Manchester United of this Mourinho Pogba fallout was for them both to be gone at the end yeah. of the season, and we're two years on now, almost pretty much two years on, and Pogba's still here. He's still a problem. Let's and, talk uh, about. I, I remember you asking me once what his best position was, and I thought, oh, maybe it's number ten. And you were like, yeah, but we tried him there, and he wasn't any good. We tried him everywhere. Where do you want? Where else do you want to shoehorn this guy into? And I just before you move, I, I just want to bring something up here. I decided to pull up the um, the starting lineups for the 2015 Champions League final, which Pogba played in, and he was very poor in that game. By the way, he was lucky not to get a red card. I never said how good he was at Juventus. Let me just let me just give you the midfield that was around him. Yeah. So he's in a midfield diamond basically with Perlo, Marquisio and Vidal. That was Arturo Vidal at his peak, by the way, and Arturo Vidal at his peak was probably one of the best midfielders in the world. Absolutely. And you also have Barzagli and Benucci in defence. You have Buffon in goal, and you have Carlos Tevez up front. And just you know, it's fine being a luxury player when you have people like that around you, Dale, who you know are going to do the work and you don't have to do it. But the fact is, the way that Ollie, I think I know how Ollie wants to play. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to press hard and high. That's not going to work with Paul Pogba. No, he's a luxury. He's a luxury footballer. And um, listen, I would be happy for Ramajid to take us off our hands. I'd be happy for Ramajid to take him off our hands for less than we paid for him. But if I'm uh, at Real Madrid, if I'm the sporting director or I'm one of his coaches, I would be telling him to seriously reconsider Paul Pogba and maybe looking elsewhere for a midfielder instead. Because I think it looks even worse when you looked at Thomas Partey for Arsenal, who's the same age as Paul Pogba, by the way, 27 years old, was imperious in that game and barely looked like he was getting out of his slippers. Yeah, um, Mike. Just on the on focusing on the penalty itself with Pogba, um, what was he doing? Because Hector Bellerin may have been in the box, but he was going nowhere. He, in fact, he was actually turning away from the goal to get to get away from Pogba, and Pogba just stood on his foot. Um, he said after the game that he was out of breath at the time. It was a stupid mistake. But this is a 27 year old. Yeah, this isn't um, Scott McTominay who got a lot of abuse after his performance too last last night. This is the 27-year-old World Cup winner, and this is why I'm pointing him out. This is why Pogba gets more um, more criticism than other players. It's because he's 27. He's seen as one of the best midfielders in the world. He's a World Cup winner, loads of experience. Start playing like it. Start playing tired. like you're one of the leaders. He's tired. He was tired. I know he, he was 70 minutes in. He barely run back. That was the first time he'd run back in the game. Yeah, and, and the whole thing too, Solskjaer has said he regrets starting him again, starting the season because he was recovering from coronavirus. Um, is that still the case? Because if it is, why are you playing him? I don't know what the politics is surrounding Pogba United, but I don't think Solskjaer clearly doesn't have the balls to, 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 um, to drop him. Well, if he doesn't, Mike, Keane is right, and Solskjaer will get sacked. Yes, he will. He will. This, this, and I, this, this would cost him. He will. He will. And we'll get onto this. You know, we said before, and you're going to get onto this later in the podcast. But yeah, Roy Keane 
He said it again, I think, during the international break. He said, those players, and he said it before, are going to cost him his job. And there's, he's not talking about all the players, because I know McTominay got pelters last night, but I've seen enough of Scott McTominay when times are really tough at United where I think, yeah, you know what? I think that's someone that we can stick with. At the he's got... I think he's got the right mentality. He's just had some back. He's had problems with injuries this year, McTominay. People forget that. And I think he's sort of working his way back in still. Yeah. Um, you know, but I do think he's a good player. And I thought, listen, against PSG and Leipzig and Newcastle, he was great. He was everything that we didn't have before. He was aggressive. He was snapping into tackles. Uh, and I just wonder if Pogba... I think he brings down some of the other players around him. I think Fred is much, so much better when Pogba's not there. Fred isn't an amazing player. But my God, he's a willing worker. He'll run up and down that pitch all day for you. And he'll close people down. But when Pogba's there, he just seems to be half the player that, that he is when he's not. And I remember um, reading something. I think it was The Athletic or something like that. And they were talking about what a United side would look like if Pochettino was there. I don't think Paul Pogba would be be getting much of a game if Pochettino was Manchester United manager. I'll be quite frank with you, Dale. He does not work hard enough to be in the Pochettino team. Well, there you go. If you're not if you're not willing to work hard, um, and you're a luxury player and it's not working out, then it's t- isn't isn't it time for the manager to make that decision? Like, yeah, but he doesn't we're, we're, deserve to play for Real Madrid either. No, Real Madrid. He's like, you have not earned. Your chance to play for Real Madrid. And I think that's why Juventus, they've just cooled on him. It's clear they've cooled on him. Any of that talk of him going to Juve is gone. They are not, I don't think they're interested anymore. I think, especially with Perlo being in there, I think he wants players to work hard. And I just don't know whether they look at Popper and think, actually, that guy's going to be a bit more trouble than he's worth. On the game again yesterday, Mike, um, there was some bad refereeing decisions. Gabriel should have been sent off. Rob Holden was lucky too. I don't yeah. really want to focus too much on that because at the end of the day, you know, it weren't good enough. Um, no, it, and it, I, it, kind of, I kind of admired the aggression of those players as well because we didn't have that. Yeah. And they, they were towing a line, but I like the fact that they were doing that. And I think that's, this is not an Arsenal podcast, but I think one thing Arteta has really sorted out with that Arsenal team when I've seen them, and I saw that in the cup final, they are a far more aggressive team than I've seen them in probably 10 or 15 years, Dale. They're really aggressive. And, um, yeah, sometimes you're going to toe the line on that stuff. But, God, I would have loved to see United players towing that line a little bit more a few times in this game and really snapping into people and being on the borderline. It wasn't there. No, it's, 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 it's hard when you're saying that about Arsenal given the, the amount of years we're talking about them, and I've already mentioned the weak mentality and stuff. And, and yesterday, that was us. That was us that were shining out of tackles. That was us not winning the ball. Uh, and that was, to be honest, that was the hard hard part for me. Um, but look, but just before we, we get into the questions, which we're going to wrap up with, um, something a lot of people are discussing right now is Donny van de Beek, Mike. Surely, surely now is the time that he starts games, Man United, because we just spent the podcast complaining about Pogba and for me it's time for Pogba to to go absolutely agree absolutely agree and um, you know I don't traditionally as I said before I'd always been a sort of defender of Pogba but listen it's four years now he's 27 years old there's no excuses for this guy anymore no. and when Van der Beek has played he's looked good 
Like, he's really composing the ball. He's trying to make things happen. You know, listen, I know Bruno had a poor game yesterday. But, you know, the thing, the difference is with Bruno is that I see an aggression to him. He always wants to try and get forward. He always wants to try and make things happen. He wants to win every game. And he's willing to push the envelope out there and take risks to do it. And that's why I think the fans really like Bruno as well. Um, and, you know, and I think maybe he sells a bit too close to the wind. There's been stories about him, you know, really sort of throwing his weight around in the dressing room. God, I wish we had a few more players doing that in the dressing room, frankly. Uh, and thank God we've got someone who's actually stepping up and doing that. Yes, Van der Beek has to play now. Because what's the alternative? You keep persevering with Pogba, who has no tactical discipline whatsoever. Um, opposed to Van der Beek, saw him a number of times for Ajax. Really clever footballer. Works hard. You know, when I watched him for Ajax, he works hard. He gets back, he gets forward, he's always looking for space to get into, he's a brilliant passer of the ball, he can also weigh in with a few goals as well, which is what he brought to the Ajax team, he has to play, got to give him a chance, and um, frankly I wonder maybe, maybe we should see a little bit more one matter as well, because Bruno Fernandes is a much better player when one matters there. Yeah, um, there's definitely uh, a, a nice build or link up between and I think the two so. Yeah, and I know matter's not the quickest, but I think he does still bring a lot to the team. And I think if he helps make players around him better, I think that's a win. And I think Pogba doesn't make players around him better. And that's yeah. that's why he has to go. Whereas when I look at, you know, someone like Mata, and I've seen it little snippets with Van der Beek when he's played, he makes guys around him better. And I think Fernandez does as well. And um, that's what they need to be looking at now. And listen, I know we've got questions coming up. Oli's got to make some very, very difficult decisions. Gary Neville said this after the game yesterday. He is now going to sit down and look at this and think, right, what works with the players that I've got? What works best with the players that I've got? What is going to get the best results? I think right now we need to forget. We need to get results on the ball. So let's maybe forget a little bit about trying to play with style and panache and stuff. Let's get the results in. Let's keep clean sheets. Let's score a few goals. Let's really start steamrolling teams one way or another. And he's got big decisions to make. Players are going to have to be left out, probably never to be brought back again. And he needs to render them surplus to requirements. And he also, I don't like managers criticising players publicly, but I think there is a time and a place for managers spitting their dummy out when it comes to the club hierarchy about not getting the players in that you wanted. I didn't have an issue with Mourinho having a pop at the board for not getting the plays in that he wanted. I did have an issue with him having a go at the plays that were there. But I think there is a time and a place. Sometimes, as a manager, you need to throw your weight around politically and throw your toys out of the pram. And Solskjaer hasn't done that. And it really doesn't help his image with the fans. And I think some of that goodwill is... I think it's running out now. I think people are getting a little bit tired of this. And they get a little bit tired of him coming out with the same platitudes after the game. Yeah, well, look, just before we, we wrap it up in the game and get to the questions, what, what I want to say about the performance yesterday is, you know, they were very, very poor. Um, but a lot of the praise that I've been seeing in the, in the media and on television afterwards for Arsenal has, has been ridiculously over the top, really. Um, look, they, they, they won um, thanks to a penalty and a clumsy challenge from Pogba. But... We just spent an entire podcast complaining about how Manchester United had played and, and how bad Pogba was. I don't think Arsenal were excellent. 
I think a few players stood out. Partey was absolutely excellent in midfield. Gabriel was disciplined. We should have been sent off. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it was just one of those... It's a shame to lose that way against Arsenal, a team that I always fancy us to juggernaut over, but it wasn't to be. Um, And as well as that, before we get on to the questions, I want to give a a quick mention, the sad news this week or last week of um, the past of Nobby Styles, of course. Um, And then a few days later hearing that Bobby Charlton has been diagnosed with dementia. So the sad time for Manchester United fans, um, our thoughts go to Styles' family. Uh, a terrific player for the club and his country winning the World Cup and the European Cup two years later under Busby. Um, it's, it's sad to see legends like that leave us, Mike. Yeah, two of the two, um, not just club legends, but legends for England as well. Um, you know, Bobby Charlton, as I've said before, is for my money the best footballer England's ever produced. There's never been anybody better. And Nobby Styles was. In some ways, a product of his time. He was actually a very good footballer. It's kind of overlooked what a clever footballer he was. He made players around him better. He enabled players around him to play, which is why he was always a first ballot pick for England and for Manchester United. He was he was a little terrier. Um, I would, in, but I would encourage people to go and, and you know you can still find you know full um, videos on YouTube of of the World Cup final and the European Cup final and a couple of other sort of old United games of the 60s. It's worth digging those out and watching Nobby Styles. He was such a clever footballer. He really, really was. And um, I know there's a there's a thing, part of the thing with, with Styles because he had dementia as well, didn't he? And um, his, is it his, uh, one of his relatives or more than one of his relatives has absolutely put that down to football. Um, and I think there is a lot of footballers of that generation have come down with dementia and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. And there certainly is a, because the, the big one that propped up a few years ago was Jeff Astle. And, on a, on a, you know, a, a serious note here, there is questions to be asked about whether footballers really looked after these guys when they've retired um, and really kept an eye on these guys' health. And there is questions to be asked there. Especially seeing as concussion protocols in football are still not very good. Well, Mike, um, Mike, especially when you consider that the, the, the likes of the footballers that played in those days, yeah, Nobby Styles and that, they, 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 they weren't wealthy. They weren't on big money. Um, no. And, and I think what, what you're trying to say is football should have done more because so we, look, we, we look at the money that's in the game now. Yeah. Um, and even then, you, you question what football does for some of the guys. Uh, some of the players um, now, uh, you know, I, look, uh, um, I would go and encourage anyone to read. Uh, Stephen Corker gave an interview recently, uh, but he's playing. I think he's playing Turkey now or Greece, and um, he had some serious problems with uh, alcohol addiction and gambling and stuff. And where was the support for him? You know, it just wasn't there, um, and he just fell through the cracks and was just sort of left left to it really. So there's a lot of questions to be asked there. It's very sad, especially someone like Sir Bobby. He was a really kind of sharp, like dry sense of humour. And um, to see someone like that, like um, suffer something with dementia, it, it really just broke my heart. I really feel for the family as well. You know, to lo- you know to have him go to dementia and to lose Jack Charlton earlier in the year as well. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a rough time for 
probably one of the uh, big footballing families in England because the Milburns are part of that family as well. Um, Jackie Milburn, who played for Newcastle, I think he was before she the all-time record goal scorer for the club. So it's a big footballing family, and uh, yeah, it's a really tough time right now. It sure is, Mike. Um, getting on to the questions, we have two this week. We have one from Dean Parkinson, who has asked, how long do you think Ali has left? If we lose to Everton, is he gone? Mike, thoughts? I don't know about if we lose to Everton, but um, he's certainly, uh, I think if we get into December and we're not in the top half of the table, I think he'll be gone. Because um, that... Uh, I think, as Roy Keane said before, this was the. Se- I think Oli last season had done more than enough to give himself another year in the job. But the fact is, the performances are not good enough. United they are not winning enough games. They're not scoring enough goals. They're still talking about the same problems we've talked about with the team for the last two years now, which is not all Oli's fault. But the fact that he's. <sighs> it's hard for him to shake off that he's maybe just been a little bit too. I don't think nice is the right word, but maybe a little bit too meek about fighting his corner to get the players that he wants and clearly get the players moved out that he wanted to move out. We're, we're stuck with players that we don't want to be stuck with right now, which is why we couldn't get anybody else in. And um, so, but, you know, so what you're saying is he he's running out of time. Oh, goodness me, yeah. Yeah, he's got another month, maybe. If things don't turn around over the course of November... Uh, yeah, I think he's gone. Um, I'm, but I thought, to be honest, I, I I had this horrible feeling he was going to get sacked after the Tottenham game, but he didn't. Um, and it looked like we were turning but, but, it around. But see, but. The, the only thing, and I feel really uncomfortable about it, is after Leipzig the other night, 5-0, there was no talk about him being sacked. And I, I, I know we've been really inconsistent, and this comes with inconsistent form, that you get up on a high and you go up on a low. But it, that that is so unstable. It's so unstable from the club. It's so unstable from from, from even from the players because they drop in performances. The the player the players won. I've never heard of a player's turn on Solskjaer. He's very very popular with the players. But surely they need to look at themselves now. It doesn't need to be word from Solskjaer that if you don't raise your performances, that manager that you so apparently like, he's gone. You yeah, don't know who's gonna be, coming in. Yeah, there'll be no nice guy coming in next time. Oh, there won't be a nice guy. No. Well, I'll I, I put it this way. If Pochettino, let's say it is Pochettino, he's not going to be nice. He's not going to be a nice guy to those players. That guy is, he's tough. <laughs> he's tough and he will crack the whip with those guys. And if he looks but, at some of them and we're in five games, he doesn't think they're up to it, they're going to be gone. But but exactly because these these players, the, 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 I wasn't too happy with recruitment during the summer, um, and we'll we'll do a podcast specially on that. But Soldier has a team, okay, that I think is good enough. It's definitely good enough to to be up there, to be up in in yeah, it's the top, top four. It's a top four team. It's a top definitely, four team. Definitely. So the que- the question will come with this Manchester United team. We can't keep flip flopping in and out of the Champions League every two years, back in the Europa League. That's, again, unstable. The whole picture is unstable. We can go and sack Solskjaer, but I really don't think that Pochettino coming in will make that much of a difference because the culture at the club will remain the same. The same board members are there. They're still doing... Yes. The, like, it, it's all based 
on commercial growth and making money and looking at ways to to look at the the figure books and it, it look the, the, the disheartening thing is it's taken out of our hands as football fans we don't matter it's really sad we we don't matter to, to the bigger picture of this club and if we did it would be very very different everyone, very, everyone, very different. everyone knows what the root of the problems at manchester united are it's the Glazers and Edward Wood who has no qualifications to be doing the job that he's doing. He was there. He's there because he's the only banker they could find who would um, basically broker that ridiculous deal that they had in place that they wanted to, to go and buy the club with. Like He was the only one that said he would do it. And that's why he's there, because he's he's their guy for no other reason than that. And while that they're all still around at the club, that's not going to change. There isn't going to be a director of footballer as long as Ed Woodward is running day-to-day operations because he doesn't want one, Dale. He mm. wants to do it all himself. He's wrapped up in this big ego. He wants to do all of this stuff. He wants to show off that he's signed this player and he's signed that player. Uh, you know, he's you know he's just a Dell boy with a bigger checkbook. It's ridiculous at this point. And the thing with Solskjaer is, while Solskjaer isn't the root of the problems, I think he's becoming a problem yeah. and he is the problem that he's the quickest one to fix, Right. And then you move on to the players, and then it moves on to the board level. But the Glazers aren't going to do anything because, listen, at the end of the day, Edward would rip any anything I think that goes to them goes through Edward first. And while he's sort of that conduit, nothing will change at the club. Yeah, and just just for my for my sake of answering the question, Dean, um, how long do you think Ali has left? I don't think there's a there's a set um, number of time. I said last week. On a, on a different podcast that, that I feel that come the end of the season, if he doesn't get top four, he'll be sacked. I think now it could come a lot quicker. Um, United's home form is a, is a real concern. I'd have to double-check the stats, but I think we've had a worse start this season than what we had under David Moyes. These are alarm bells. Um, I don't think he'll be sacked after Everton, personally, but it's stage where I think it's very close and 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 we we all we've already had the the leaks this this season that contact has been made with Pochettino that's them from the independent so when that's happening you have to think back to what happened when Van Gaal was manager because Ed Woodward went behind Van Gaal's back and Van Gaal thought he was planning for the next season and he was in contact with Mourinho to come in. He won the FA Cup and was sacked on the spot. Mourinho came in. Mourinho was manager. Um, you know what? He left. He wasn't exactly backed. And Mike touched on how he publicly came out and spoke about the board. Look how that ended up. So I, I, I just see this as a cycle. I, I, look, yeah, I think Soldier will be sacked this season. Um, I don't want him sacked. I don't see him as the biggest problem. I do think there's better managers out there, but I see this vicious cycle, and yeah. I see Ma- I see Manchester United unfortunately as a poison chalice. Because Bernardo Pochettino, someone like him, isn't going to put up with that board conducting themselves the way that they are, Dale. He's which is what happened with Mourinho, which was yeah. what happened with Van Gaal. They're not going to put up with that. By the way, in terms of the start, it's the worst start United have had since 1973. That was the year that United got relegated. That's how bad the start is. Next question from James McHugh. After 100 games under Ollie, what's not quite working and why? So 
suppose we'll answer this a bit differently to, to the last one, Mike. What 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 do you point? We we look at say we talk about the the team and 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 the way he sets up. For you, what is the biggest thing that irks you? I know against Leipzig we won five nil, and there was one thing on my mind was that I hated the way in which we play out from the back. I don't have a problem with playing out from the back. It's just that the players we've got aren't capable of doing it, Dale. That's the problem. Um, you know, especially with the fact that we really lack a top quality midfielder to link the defence to the midfield, right? Which is what you want to have when you're playing out from the back. And you also need your full backs to be really pushing on to create width. So it gives defenders options to hit the ball out wide, right? That's what you need. That's what Liverpool do. So Liverpool can play out from the back because their wing-backs push right up the field. And they also, well, I don't know if they have it now, but they had Fabinho, who linked the, everything together. They don't have that anymore. Um, the What's the biggest it? problem then under Ali? No, I'll I, I tell you the biggest problem is that it's 100 games in, and every game I've watched so far this season... I'm seeing a different system and a different lineup. Oli doesn't seem to know what works anymore. He's second-guessing himself. Do you remember Gary Neville saying the worst thing he did at Valencia was when he started second-guessing himself and chopping and changing things? Arteta is 40 games in at Arsenal. And listen, they are a long way away from being where he'll want them to be and where a club of Arsenal such as should be. But you can see what, he's, what the plan is. You can see what they're trying to do. You can see he's pinpointed the immediate areas of concern for Arsenal, which was the defence and the lack of aggression in the team. And already they're considerably better in those two areas. Right? They're still a long way away, but you can see the direction that they're going. You can see what the plan is. I don't see that with United right now, and that's a real problem. But Mike, when, when he got the job first on an interim basis, and, and we had that amazing run, I remember everyone talking about how fantastic Mike Phelan was, how he was the answer to everything, how he has this winning formula from Sir Alex Ferguson. And I look at the 5-0 win over Leipzig and then the drastic downfall a few days later against Arsenal in terms of level of performance. And I I I think coaching, some questions need to be asked there as well. How how does that drop-off work? Especially the defence. Yeah. Who's coaching those defenders? It's um look you have my feeling they're vastly experienced but you also have Kira McKenna and Michael Carrick who I don't think have much experience I I don't know are they good coaches they they possibly are but there's not that much experience there and I, I'm looking at this team and I'm looking at Solskjaer he's the manager the one thing I want for my coaching staff when him is manager experience because he he's going to need it. he's going to need to call upon people and ask questions because every manager does that. Every manager has to ask questions sometimes and seek advice because football is a team sport. Yeah, a manager has a background team. Um, mm. So look, flip-flopping here with the answers because the, the, the real answer is we're not a fly on the wall. We can't find exactly what the problem is. But what we can tell you, there are problems there. The, the, there's problems there with, with having to shoehorn Pogba and the team every week. There's problems there that the... There wasn't a centre-back sign in the summer when we desperately needed one. The, there's, there's problems there all over the pitch, I guess. And and 100 games in, the manager should have a better idea of the players he has. And 
he, there was a great bit of business done last summer in signing Bruno or last January signing Bruno Fernandez, the kind of player that we really needed midfield. Um, he offers great going forward, but also as you mentioned, he gets stuck in. There's a nasty streak about him, and we needed something like that. But when I'm watching United now, do we need to start Pogba when we start Bruno Fernandez? I, I don't want to get back onto no. that. What I'm saying no. is there are so many problems, Mike. There are so many problems, and it, it seems to be all coming at once. And I'm, I, I really don't want to overreact. And I am behind Solskjaer still. I, I, I don't want him sacked. But I do think the time is coming now where the club will pull the plug. And again, I think that spreads even more uncertainty yeah. about the and future, that, man. No, I mean, I, no, of course I don't. Because that was changed. I didn't want Van Gaal to be sacked, to be honest. I wanted them to really back him when he asked for players and to give him the players that he won. If it still doesn't work, fine. Then the manager can live and die by the decisions that he has made. Even Mourinho to an extent. Like, I, I just think, obviously, the issues of the pitching were a problem. But at least, like, if Mourinho's asking for Toby Alderweireld yeah. for £25 million, and you saw fit the previous summer, Edward Wood, to spend £30 million on Victor Lindelof, you could at least give Mourinho the benefit of the doubt and say, OK, I'll go and get Toby Alderweireld for you. I'm not so sure about Harry Maguire, but I'll get you Alderweireld. That's what you want. I'll get him for you. Just let give... You've got to give these guys a chance. And this is the problem when you're talking about the problems at the club. Oli is obviously a problem that is easier to solve because he's not making the best of what he's got. He keeps chopping and changing and second-guessing himself, which I think, even though players don't have a problem with him, it kind of... Uh, it could poison your authority, any sense of authority you have over oh, the players in the dressing Mike, room, right? Mike, if, you're, if you're not winning games, like I, this was so inevitable under under Van Gaal that when he came in and he said something about whatever three years and we'll get this team back or whatever whatever time he gave himself, I don't know if it was three months or three years. But when you set yourself a kind of a, a deadline like that, but you're not winning games. You have to win games. Well, you're that's not what Roy Keane said, right? You know, you don't win enough games, and all he needs to win games. He does because the the players the players are going to start turning on Solskjaer, and they haven't yet, but they will if the results don't pick up. Because the, these players will not blame themselves. No, they they're not going to point the finger at themselves, and they're going to have to point the finger somewhere. So I'm, I, what I'm saying is, be cautious listeners of this in the coming weeks if results don't pick up is that you're going to see more headlines about how soldiers this how soldiers that i didn't hear them in the summer i didn't hear them last last season why are they developing now that that, that that's the question that's a question i have and i and it's i quite, I, it's the question that Woodward should be asking as well big time big time look the people at that club don't want to go naming names are afraid to ask questions of themselves and they're oblivious to the fact that what they're doing to this club is really, really bad. Um, is this club going in the right direction? Can you see Man United win the league title in f- I give it five years? Can you see five years? No, I can't. No. I can't. And th- that, that's, that's brutal. No, and the worst, the worst thing is, such as the financial disparity in the league, is that the lowest United will fail realistically is probably sixth place, right? I don't say that. Okay, no, look, no, look, I'm look. Saying, no, no, I'm saying, look, the disparity is such that United will have enough to scrape into the top six. That's not good enough for Manchester United. 
So when we're talking about failure at the club, by the way, because there will be fans of like smaller clubs who are struggling every season, like you lot moaning for, you know, you, you finish in the top yeah, six almost every yeah. year. It's a relative thing, right? Such is the disparity, such is the resources United have available, such is the expense of that squad. Ludicrous wage bill and transfer fees that we paid, they should be doing better. That's not good enough right now. I'm just going to get up, give me a second, I got up a tweet that Miguel Delaney tweeted during the game yesterday. Miguel Delaney from Chief Sports, a football writer from The Independent. Um, And I think he really, really nailed it. Just give me one minute now. Um, it, it, it's about Paul Pogba and how almost he kind of epitomises Manchester United. Um, one second now. Yeah, so here it goes. Pogba, to be fair, personifies this modern Manchester United era. Surprisingly expensive, should be capable of much more, but totally unreliable and inconsistent. Doesn't that nail it? Should, yeah. should, we, should we end it on that note, Mike? I because think so. Miguel usually nails it, and he's absolutely nailed it there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the thing is, Miguel actually promised to come on the podcast a few weeks ago, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on to him and, and get him on this podcast over in the case of the next month because um, there's a lot to talk about, and I'm sure he can give us some insight into what's happening in Manchester United, extra insight, which is always helpful. Mike, first podcast back. Did you get enough off your chest? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid we ever do we ever do a political podcast because it'll go on for about two hours. I'll just be asking you to mute your fucking microphone while I go off. <laughs> no, look, look, it's um, it, it it's good to be back. Circumstances could be a lot better. Um, as for the listeners, ho- really hope you enjoyed the first podcast back. It'll be a weekly thing again. I have some guests lined up, some people that are writing books and books coming out for Christmas and stuff like that. So. We're going to speak to those authors um, and get their thoughts on what's going on at Manchester United. Mike, how can people follow the Stratycast on Twitter? So, at uh, Stratycast. Simple as that. Simple go and find as it. that. There you go. Simple, Simple as that. I'd say follow me, but at the moment, I've, um, I still have a Twitter account, but I'm just not on Twitter right now because, you know, the whole Corona plus the US election, I just don't want to be on Twitter at the moment understandable understandable but i will say mike do get on to Twitter, have a quick look at what lady gaga posted last night um in relation to the, the u.s elections on that note we're going to sign off see you again next week come on you reds let's just try and be a little bit positive even though things are quite poor at the moment but it, it, it's let's just believe let's just believe that something good will happen because we can't go around feeling flat the whole time Podcast Network.